Hello and welcome to this edition of the Entrepreneurship Through Acquisition podcast, sponsored by the Polsky Center for Entrepreneurship at the University of Chicago Booth School of Business. I'm Brian O'Connor, Adjunct Professor of Entrepreneurship at Chicago Booth, and joining me today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Mike Toby. Mike is a Booth grad and CEO of Hose Monster, a company he acquired a year ago out of his search fund. Hose Monster is a business that manufactures testing equipment for fire pumps. Mike, thank you so much for taking the time to join us on the podcast today. And I'm excited to hear a little bit more about your business and your story. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Great. So, Mike, um, you why don't we start uh, here with um, a little bit of background on how you decided to pursue this path. So, in, as I understand it, you initially started your career in investment banking. Um, what led you to make this entrepreneurial leap into the universe of entrepreneurship through acquisition? Yeah, I feel like my my search uh, ambitions are, are pretty cliche in the in the industry, and in that everybody seems to have a very similar story. Uh, always wanted to be an entrepreneur. Always wanted to own and operate my own company. Had thought that I would, you know, inspiration would strike, and I'd get this great idea to go out and start my my own thing. But really, got sick of waiting. Got sick of being an investment banker, and uh, learned about the search model, and it, it seemed perfect for me. It accomplished that that mission of of making me the owner and operator of a company without you know the <laughs> risk and hard work of, of building something from the ground up. Not that this isn't riskier or hard, but it's, it's just different. Yeah. Yeah. And, and how did you even learn about this uh, niche model of raising a search fund and going and pursuing an acquisition? Yeah, it was uh, definitely in its infancy in terms of the awareness of it at Booth while I was there. I was there from 2010 to 2012. Uh, the Booth Entrepreneurship Through Acquisition Group existed, but uh, I saw it as something that other people did. I, I thought the idea of going to my friends and family network and asking them to give me money to acquire a company was was terrifying. Um, that and I didn't have friends and family in a network that had any money to invest in something like this at that time. Uh, so I kind of wrote it off as, as something that would be cool to do, but not something that was possible for me. And then after four or five years of investment banking, I was actually at a, a bachelor party with a bunch of booth guys and we were all complaining, sitting at our laptops on a Saturday afternoon, investment banking, and uh, complaining about our, our lives. And, and I think the topic of entrepreneurship came up, and that was what everybody wanted to do. And, and one of the guys there said, well, what about a search fund? Uh, well, you know, I guess my, my network certainly has gotten a lot wealthier in the last five years, just based on the <laughs> world I was running in. But I still, you know, the idea of asking them for money was, was, was not what, what I wanted to do. Um, one of the guys there had done a little more research on it. He said, oh, there's this, this group of folks that, that they're serial investors. All they do is invest in these things. And um, it's it's not necessarily friends and family, although it can be. So that piqued my interest and went went back and read the, the Stanford Primer and that search study and, and started consuming everything I could online and made all the phone calls to current and past searchers. And the more I learned, the more I you know, became certain that it was perfect for me at that time in my life. Yeah, fantastic. So let, let's fast forward and and talk a little bit about, I, w- I want to get into uh, your company, your, well, your search and then your company. And then I also want to talk about some of the unique challenges that w- we might be facing in, in this uh, market, specifically as it relates to operating a small business. But, but let's start with the search. So um, you got funded. It sounds like you 
uh, were funded through some traditional channels in uh, some of the usual uh, search fund investors in that in that community, um, and then you ultimately uh, raised your your capital. Tell us where you started. How did you approach your search? Were you looking at um, you know going deep into industries? Did you leverage any intermediaries or or, or broker or banker channels? And ultimately, how did you find and land on and determine that Hose Monster was the right company for you? Yeah, so I started, I think, just using best practices uh, and assume that the, they still are what, what they were three years ago when I, four years ago when I started, was um, 80% proprietary in terms of time commitment and then 20% brokerage search, which is, is roughly what I was hitting in those first six months or so. Uh, did a deep dive into a couple of industries, uh, waste management, funeral services, and some uh, wilderness fire protection or fire services. Um, worked those pretty hard with industry conferences, found great luck with that in terms of being able to come up to speed very quickly on an industry and meet a ton of people in a short period of time. Uh, you could get the lay of land of the industry by just walking the floor of a conference center. Um, and, and chatting with folks, you can see all the, the major players and sub players and the support groups and um, kind of where an industry was moving. Um, loved it. They're expensive, but I think it's a good use of a searcher's time and, and limited budget. Uh, got into a company relatively quick in terms of uh, under LOI, it was a, in waste management and recycling. Ended up spending the better part of a year on it. Um, great company, but in the middle of all this, the, the recycling industry just got turned on its head in terms of China stopping the purchase of, of materials from us and, and putting pretty dramatic limits on contamination and, and imports. Uh, this company was well positioned to weather that quite well and, and even, uh, even benefit from it. Um, but because there was so much going on in terms of the overall industry, it took forever in terms of getting a deal done, um, working with the three sellers, all with competing interests, um, bad brokers on that side, and just constant diligence fires. Um, so that was a full-time job for a year, was, was working on just that deal. I did not have time to do anything else. Uh, it ultimately died, um, died a lot of deaths before the final death, but um, after a year of working on it, it was... Uh, abandoned. And uh, thankfully, I had some interns in the background who were keeping broker outreach going and had gotten a teaser for a, a company that manufactured fire protection equipment, particular equipment that, that measures the flow rate coming out of fire pumps. And, uh, and I expected in the back of my mind to experience a recession within the first two, three years of, of operating a company. So one of my main requirements was something that was a little more recession resistant. And so providing something that has essential services um, and fire protection, uh, it's regulatorily mandated that, that pumps get tested every year. So uh, uh, this would be a good one to, to fit that requirement and uh, managed to, to get out for a company visit just two weeks before I was supposed to close the recycling business. Loved it and thought, hey, this, this isn't a bad one if that recycling company ultimately doesn't work out, which at that point seemed like it was a 50-50 shot that it wouldn't. So I was very lucky that I was able to pivot immediately when the recycling company died and, and focus 100% on 
on Hose Monster. And what drew you, and, and that, that was fortunate that you had some interns working in the background and were able to um, continue to keep a few things coming in the door, and it sounds like uh, they found a, a, a good one in Hose Monster. What was it that, you know, in your mind and in your intern's mind made it, you know, quote-unquote, a good one? What drew you uh, to that as an opportunity as your uh, waste management recycling business was um, as that deal was kind of falling by the wayside. At first glance, it would look like not a great search company. Um, it's a durable good um, that the the customers should only have to buy once. It doesn't wear out, it doesn't go away. You buy it once and never have to buy another one. Um, but yet, when you dug into it, customers came back year after year and bought more. Um, as their companies grew, as they expanded their capabilities, as fire protection uh, enforcement of the regulations uh, has been increasing uh, all over the world. So um, grew every year, even throughout the Great Recession, uh, very attractive margins. Uh, the right seller, having gone through a year of, of dealing with the wrong sellers, having three guys with very competing interests and uh, bad advisors. This company had a wonderful seller who was selling for the right reasons and a, and a very competent, sophisticated uh, broker advising him. So beyond just the, the, the fact that it was a great company, um, those were two important dynamics for me after coming out of what I had just come out of. And then so you, you thought you bought a company that was, um, you know, in a lot of ways, uh, this non-discretionary mission critical, um, you know, in a lot of ways, uh, resistant, I don't want to use the, the word immune, uh, because no one's immune, but resistant to sort of downturns and recessionary periods. Did you, did you buy what you thought you bought, Mike? And we can talk a little bit about what's going on around us in the, in the, in the world with, um, the, the coronavirus pandemic, but I, I'd like to first talk about like the early days post acquisition. Did you, did you find that you bought what you thought you bought or were there any surprises that you sort of said, Ooh, I might've gotten that wrong during diligence. What, what were some of the early surprises that you found in the business? If any, thankfully I was lucky enough to have no negative diligence, diligence surprises. Um, at least none that I can remember today. So that means they, they weren't too bad if there were some. Um, this is just better than we thought it was. Um, our customers love us more than we realized during the diligence. Um, it was just stronger hold of the market than um, we realized in, in diligence. And I think a lot of that was us just discounting what management was saying. Um, they said they had a monopoly. They said that, you know, they're, you know, beloved by their customers and there's kind of this, you know, odd obsession about the product in, my, in, in the community. Um, I think we kind of brushed it off as, yeah, yeah, of course, everybody's going to say that, but it's true. Um, it, it's really been such a great experience and I find myself so lucky to have bought what I bought. Uh, can't attribute it to Bill here. <laughs> that's, that's wonderful. I mean, it's, it's great when you uh, can confirm some of those um uh, some of those positive and glowing, uh, seller endorsements of their own business, right? It can be, they can, they can, uh, be a little bit biased at times, but, um, that's wonderful when it, when it pans out that way. What is it about the, the company or the product or the service that you think has earned it, uh, that reputation in the, in the market? 
I mean, it really does make our customers' lives so much better. Uh, the alternative method to testing a fire pump is dangerous. It's inaccurate. You get soaking wet, time-consuming, cumbersome, it's heavy equipment. It's, it's, we call it the caveman method. It, it really is just so much worse than what we can do for our customers. So when they switch over to our equipment, their lives are just significantly better. And then we layer on top of that. I think world-class customer service. Um, again, I think that's something that everybody says, but you know, even as an outside observer, I would say that that's true about us. We, we answer the phone with somebody here in the office within the first ring or two and uh, go and try to do, go above and beyond in terms of technical support and uh, guiding the customer through the use of our products and, and dealing with any issues they, they, that might come up and they seldom do. Um, yeah, I go to these trade shows and conferences and the people that come by are just so grateful that we exist, which is it's neat to be a part of a company where, where <laughs> that's the case. Yeah, it's fantastic. And, and, and during the diligence process, Mike, you, you probably got some inklings of that being the case through customer calls and through, you know, your own interactions with the, the sellers and your uh, developing understanding of how the product work how did you get comfortable with the defensibility of, of those things that you were sort of developing a thesis around, right? I mean, were there unique patents or there, were there um, other uh, protections that got you comfortable with the defensibility of this market position? Yeah, um, there are patents. We have six patents at this point. Um, you know, incredibly high market share, uh, depending on the submarket, we're 90 to 100%. Uh, of what each dollar spent on this equipment goes to each year. Um, there's still a good chunk of our market that doesn't participate or isn't measured in the market share because they haven't bought new equipment in 30 years. Uh, it's one of our opportunities is getting to that crowd that is that I've been doing this for this way for 30 years. There's no sense in changing uh, mindset. You know, and then I did a lot of uh, a lot of calls in the industry. I just cold called. I don't know, a hundred plus uh, people that, that test fire pumps and ask them what type of equipment they use and why they use it and what their thoughts or complaints are. And the answer was always, well, hose monster. That's, you know, the only thing anybody who's worth anything would use. So it was kind of the, the response I got. And so why is that defensible? I think, you know, obviously GE, a Honeywell, uh, a number of other companies could probably come in and snuff us out real quick if they decided to compete in this market, but it's, it's small enough and it's niche enough that it flies under everybody's radar. Anybody who could compete with us, it's too small of, uh, of, an, of an opportunity for them to really be interested in, at least so far. Yeah, interesting. Now, last question before we transition a little bit into uh, what is now a uh, unique challenge that you probably face. Uh, <laughs> Not not knowing that you would, uh, you know, just a year on the job, but I'm I'm really interested to get your perspective on it. But but based on a comment that you made around um, sort of the market penetration that this company enjoys, how did you think, Mike, about um, growth in this business? What were some of the underlying assumptions that you made when making the investment around how you were going to grow this business, and how have those in the first year of operation sort of um, played out in in reality yeah so i think it, um, a few main channels of growth one was, was innovation coming up with new products uh solving problems for our customers that we weren't yet solving 
uh, so expanding our share of the toolbox. Uh, another one is international expansion. Um, the rest of the world is oftentimes 20, 30 years behind the U.S. in terms of fire protection and fire protection regulation enforcement. And then uh, just growing our sales force or implementing a, a, a outbound sales process. To date, in the company's 25-year history, everything, for the most part, has been inbound. Uh, there have been no outbound calls. They go to trade shows. They set up a booth. Very good at that. Uh, but there's no real effort, proactive effort in terms of reaching out to people. So implementing that is a, is a priority. So of the three, um, too soon to talk, to really tell with innovation. We have um, some really neat products that hope to get out this summer. Um, not sure timing is going to be great with everything that's going on now, but that was our timeline before. International expansion has gone quite well. We've gone to a few conferences in the Middle East and, and receptivity has been great. Uh, the market out there is, is perfect for us in terms of timing and that they are just getting to the point where over the last 20 years, they realized they need to put a fire pump in their buildings. And now they have a fire pump in the buildings. They're realizing that they need to make sure all those fire pumps work. Um, so, and, and the regulatory bodies are starting to enforce the fact that they need to make sure that they work. So that's what our product does. Uh, so they have this need and they didn't know of a solution until, you know, we went out there. So reception in the Middle East and, and other areas of Eastern Europe have been very good. Uh, and then outbound sales process has been pretty slow to develop largely because we've been just so busy <laughs> with the inbound that, uh, that we haven't had the time to, to start making outbound calls. But, you know, before, uh, this, this virus emerged, uh, we were pretty close to, to getting ready for that in terms of implementing, uh, Salesforce as a CRM, there was no CRM before we did a number of employee training, uh, events for, for outbound sales, um, developed a sales process and framework and started working on that and select customers that would call in in terms of uh, establishing value propositions and quantifying it. And, you know, the biggest pushback that we get on our product is that it's expensive, but if you are able to put into dollars in terms of how much time we, we save our customers, it pays itself off very quickly. So getting training of our employees and able to articulate that. And, and run those numbers quickly while on the phone is, is important. So that's great, Mike. I'm, I'm thrilled to hear that um, you know those efforts and those initiatives are uh, working out, and that you've uh, seemingly bought such a, a great business. That's that's uh, fantastic to hear. All right, let's um, talk a little bit about the issue that we've been dancing around for the last 15 minutes or so. Okay, so the the current coronavirus pandemic is affecting businesses in a variety of different ways. Uh, many of them, um, no way uh, that we could have sort of anticipated. Um, and I think the, the situation is evolving on a minute by minute basis, and it's extremely dynamic. How, uh, over the last couple of weeks, have you navigated this challenging time? And particularly of interest might be um, around you know, the, the health and safety of your employees um, around paying close attention to, um, you know, uh, liquidity and cash management in the event that you've seen uh, any impact, uh, you know, in 
customer uh, demand or ability to pay, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I would just love to hear a little bit about what's going on, um, Mike, in your world and that of you know, Hose Monster and your employees and customers. So very dynamic situation and, and uncertain how this will play out. Uh, but everybody's in that boat. So when it became clear that this was going to be a, a larger issue earlier in March, uh, we started investing in some IT to, to give our people the ability to work remotely. So purchase laptops, uh, made sure that they were all set up for work from home, uh, got our, our phone company to set everybody up with training on how to use the phone system on their cell phones and their laptops, and then started doing dry runs uh, with our customer service and sales team, uh, working re remotely, alternating days. And uh, thankfully we had a week or so of that to work the kinks out, because there were certainly kinks. Um, you know, This was a new concept to this company. It was not a work from home culture before this uh no one had there was no ability to uh before this so uh it was nice to to have the, the luxury of, of doing dry runs now we are on anybody who can work from home is working from home we only have two people in the facility and they're separated uh, by walls and distance one in the warehouse that's uh, boxing and shipping orders and the other is management there to to make sure that the place doesn't burn down i guess <laughs> um, Everybody else is remote. And so far, customer demand has dropped a little bit in terms of where I would think it would be for this time of year. Our business is seasonal. Uh, our customers flow a lot of water out into the streets. So most of the world can't do that in the winter, uh, especially North America. So this is usually our busy season as our customers start to ramp up for uh, for the thaw and when they can start flowing water again. Um so we're still we're still taking calls. We're still selling a, a fair bit of product. It's not as much as I would expect, but it's enough that we aren't too concerned about uh, liquidity just yet. And thankfully, we came into the year with a, a fair bit of, of cash on hand. Um, we're talking about uh, what to do with that, and thankfully, we didn't make any decisions on on what to do with our cash because right now I'm I'm glad to have it on the balance sheet as a as a safety net. Um, we've obviously cut back on any big expenditures or investments. Um, certainly any discretionary spending is, is, is not going to happen, but I haven't had to make any, you know, uncomfortable or, uh, unfortunate decisions in terms of headcount. Everybody's still has a job and is getting paid as normal. Um, if this goes on six, eight, 12 months, then that, that will likely change, but we probably have eight or nine months of runway with the cash on hand. That's great. What, Mike, can you tell us about uh, your your balance sheet related to, um, you know, did you um, use any debt at the time of the transaction? Do you have a revolver in place? How have uh, those things impacted the way that you uh, operate your business, uh, if, if you can share? Yeah, happy to. Um, so about 50% levered at the time of close. and. We've been growing, so that's that's come down. It's a seven-year loan, first-year interest interest only. So thankfully, we've been on a year of interest only almost at this point. So that has helped us build up that cash balance. Uh, scheduled to start paying principal beginning in May, and if this is continuing on, I might have a conversation with my bank about potentially extending our interest only only period. Uh, 
we'll see if customer demand stays the way it is. I don't think we'll need to do that, but it's something that we're considering and I'm talking to other searchers, um, they're already having those conversations. Um, we do have a revolver, undrawn revolver in place currently. Um, it's probably about three months worth of, of uh, fixed costs on that revolver, which is nice to have. Um, I've heard anecdotes of other people drawing their revolvers and putting the cash in their balance sheet just out of fear of, of, of banks being around. Um, I think, you know, I have the luxury again of a good cash position currently that I don't need to take such measures or don't feel the need to. Um, potentially dangerous for the system if everybody were to do that, I think, is you know, both in taking money and banking classes now. <laughs> um, that can be a self-fulfilling prophecy in terms of uh, um, bank liquidity, but uh, no, I don't certainly don't judge those that have done that. Well, Michael, I appreciate you sharing those insights, and I'm thrilled to hear that your business is faring well, all things considered. I'm sure I uh, speak uh, for a lot of people here when I say we can hope for the best, plan for the worst, and it sounds like you're you're doing that. So uh, I do believe that also brings us uh, to the end of the time that we allotted uh, for our conversation today. I want to be mindful of your time. I know you've got uh, a lot going on running Hose Monster. Thank you. On behalf of the Polsky Center, on behalf of all of our listeners, I appreciate you sharing your time and all of your insights with us today and wish you continued success with your company. Thank you so much. <music>